if you'd start the first one, we're going to take a look at it. It's a series that, it's a video that just lets us contemplate things. And I hope you will all open your heart to the Lord today. Death is not easy to talk about. We don't want to think about it, the finality of it. We'd rather distract ourselves from the ending we know we can't escape. But what if we looked at death as more of a beginning than an ending? Right, like a butterfly can't be a butterfly until the caterpillar dies in the cocoon. I mean, death becomes a conversion, a metamorphosis, a necessary action in becoming a glorious butterfly. But could the same be true for us? I mean, that's what Easter's all about. Because of Easter, because of what Jesus has done, death is no longer an ending, no longer a final farewell, a dark and cold conclusion. No, it's a transition a necessary step into a glorious resurrection. Jesus died so that we could live. This is love. That's worthy of a hand clap. This is love. Amen. That's about us, so we don't have to fear death anymore. We don't have to fear that anymore. There's no fear in that. We have one more video. We have one more video that we're going to show here. Um, And it's to kick off our series. So let's just play that, Sean. When we hear about Jesus dying on the cross, we often hear about the physical suffering, the pain, the torture, the excruciating execution. We find ourselves wondering, maybe you've wondered, was all of this really necessary? Couldn't God have taken our sin away in some other way? Couldn't he have saved us without it all being so extreme? Being crucified on a Roman cross was the most humiliating way to die. It was a way for Rome to shame their rebels and criminals. and For a Jew, it was like being cursed by God. You see, Jesus went to the cross in order to go to the lowest place. He was humiliated and shamed so that no one, not even the worst sinner, would be out of the reach of God's love. Jesus went to the cross suffering alongside every victim in human history who has had their dignity robbed and their innocence destroyed. Jesus experienced the darkness of alienation so that even in your darkest night, even in death, you can know that you are not alone. God is with you and God loves you with a love that is stronger the cross is not where the story ends. God raised Jesus from the dead. And because of the resurrection, we now know what the cross was all about. It's because of Easter that we understand the meaning of Good Friday. At the cross, Jesus died in our place for our sins. At the cross, Jesus entered into our pain and our shame. At the cross, Jesus came and took the weight of evil itself so that its power could be broken. Because of Easter, Jesus didn't stay in the grave that we now know what this is all about. This is God in His love freeing us from sin. This is God in His love overcoming death. This is God in His love announcing new creation. It's the resurrection that changed everything. Now we see this.
Well, there are so many things that we could say about Easter Sunday, Resurrection Sunday. There are so many stories that we could tell. Amen. So many places we could go. As he said, the dramatic torture. Some of us have watched those movies perhaps this week. All the miracles that he did before. Walking with the closest, the closest of friends, his disciples. He had thousands of followers to the end. And then right at the end, everybody kind of fell away. And that fear overcame them. The fear of death that we just talked about right there. The fear of death. The fear of them dying. They knew he was going to the cross. They knew he was going to be crucified. But bless their hearts, they were 100% human. And they had some shortcomings and they failed. But, but we know that this love and everything he did on the cross was for the forgiveness of that. So the resurrection changed everything. Amen? Our text today, I want to I talk to you about the love that overcame sin. Amen? We usually don't talk about sin on Easter Sunday, but we're going to talk about it. We're going to talk about it today. S-I-N. You know, uh, our text is that we're going to be talking in the two chapters of John, and um, John 20 and 21. Let's talk about the story. This is how John recounts it. Jesus had died. He'd been missing in action for three days. There'd been lots of torment. We heard about that earlier just in that video. Oh, my gosh. They're hunting down Jesus and his disciples. Come on. They'd had the last supper. They'd had the last moments. Their whole world was being upsided down. One of their buddies and one of their friends had just gone out and betrayed Jesus for 30 pieces of silver. Come on. He was eating the meal with them at the last, well, I told you a couple of weeks ago, I don't call it the Last Supper anymore because it was the first supper. It was the first supper of the new covenant meal, the one that was going to be his bread that represented his broken body. It was going to be the blood that represented the the blood he was about to shed within less than 24 hours when they were there together in that upper room. All this had gone down. Mary Magdalene had poured out the vial of perfume that she'd bought with some of the sin. Some of the sin she'd been up to before before Christ, before Jesus, before he washed her clean, before he, he dealt with it. He even dealt with it before he got on the cross, but he dealt with it once and for all and demonstrated his love because, you know, There's a price to pay for sin. There's a price. It has to be paid. If if the debt doesn't get paid, you get thrown in prison. You go to jail. Or you die. The Word of God says that the wages of sin, if if you're working at sin... If you're pursuing sin, a a few weeks ago I talked about intentional pursuit of Jesus. Come on, intentional pursuit. But sometimes in my life, 
I was intentionally pursuing sin. There's, there's been times in my life that I was intentionally pursuing sin. Come on. I could say that it was because of how I was raised. I could say it was because I didn't know Jesus. I could say it was because my system that I was growing up in was broken. I could say it was because, you know, my parents weren't my parents and they were, you know, I could blame it on everything as I tried to deal with my mess. Come on. As I tried to clean up my own mess without crying out to God, help me, God. You see, I had to deal with my own guilt. Come on. There were times when I was intentionally pursuing sin that I felt guilty. There were times when I was intentionally pursuing sin. I'm not talking about accidentally. I'm talking about knowing I was sinning. I was living a lifestyle that was ungodly. I was sinning. And I seemed like I couldn't get myself out of it. I would try to get out of the mess. I tried to clean it up. I, I, I was ashamed of my behavior. My friends and my people knew about it. I, I, I just, everywhere I went, I had guilt and shame, but I tried to cover it up with a big face, you know, a big smile on my face, like, I can handle this. I can handle this. I can handle this on my own. Just me, myself, and I, I can take care of this. This is a good life. Don't tell me about anything more morality. Don't, don't tell me about the rules. Don't tell me about anything. I, I, I can clean up this mess anytime I decide to. But the truth was I was in bondage. I was stuck. I'd try to do it. I'd get the mess cleaned up but it seemed like I had a dirty mop that I was trying to clean it up with and I couldn't get it clean. Come on. I'm talking about sin. Now, some people are confused about the word sin. What does sin mean? What is sin? You know, I, I, when I was thinking about this, I, 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 I went to, I Googled it like sin. What is sin? What's the definition of sin? S-I-N. It's not a very big word. Sin. S-I-N. Sin. 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 One of, the, one, of the, one of the definitions of sin is missing the mark. Another definition is falling short. Then there's the religious definitions. It's pursuing moral sin against the Word of God. It's breaking God's rules, not man's rules, not the system's rules. It's violating God's commandments, His heart and His life of love that He wants you and I to live, and we're out there doing the opposite. So, what I want to tell you is, we heard that. It's falling short. So I could come up to you and I could say, gee, um, I've really been falling short this week. What the heck does that mean? 
Yeah, I've been falling a little short this week, yeah. Now, it's been a rough week. This is what's been going on in my life. Wow, pressure's on. Performance on. I got to do what everybody's looking, everybody's watching. I know some people have heard about me being a little edgy this week. Oh, falling short. Falling short. Yeah. Yeah? The stuff that I normally can take from all of you right in this room. Having a hard time. I'm struggling with it this week. Struggling. I got a problem. I got a problem. Yeah, we call sin a problem. We call sin falling short. We call it a lot of things. But for today, we're just going to call it plain old sin. And there was only one thing that took Jesus Christ to that cross. It looks all pretty right now. We got some Easter lilies. Uh, for those who aren't here today and within the sound of my voice, we've got some Easter lilies coming up here. We've got this huge cross. It's right up here in front of our church. We're looking at it. There's tulips. It's beautiful. There's a purple robe on it with some gold and some tassels. The crown of thorns is gone. We crowned him this morning in worship. But only days before, it was a bloody mess. We have a little buzzword saying in today's society, I'm a hot mess. I don't even like that term. It really bugs me. I don't know why, but it does. I can't explain it. But this was a bloody mess only days before, three days before. A bloody mess. And the reason it was bloody is because of your sin, your sin, and my sin, and the entire world's sin. Went all the way back to Adam, and this blood went all the way forward to the last child that will ever be born as a natural man. Come on. That's what took Jesus to the cross. So let's just face it. Let's just call it what it is. I'm not going to say that my falling short this week or my edginess took him to the cross. I'm going to call it my sin put him to death because there was a price to pay that I couldn't pay. I couldn't pay the price of this sin. I couldn't pay the price of my past sin. I can't pay the price of my current sin because Jesus already paid for it. He paid for it. He bled and he forgave me because he loves me so much. Okay, I want to talk about the Jesus story. Now we've come in touch with sin. We kind of know what we're talking about here today. Yeah, we're going to get that in our brains. We don't like to say we're sorry, do we? Do we like to say we're sorry? I don't mind saying I'm sorry. I really don't. I kind of have learned that to a point. But boy, if you really push me over the edge, I'll be as silent as you are. If we got something going on and you've pushed me to the nth degree and I'm, I'm now walking beyond the line, 
I'll be as silent as you are. Somebody has to say I'm sorry. Somebody has to be first. Why is it so hard for some to say I'm sorry? Sorry. 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 (laughs) Why do we find it so hard? Why? Because it means we have to admit to our sin. Come on. We got to own something. We got to own a part of it, right? Are y'all with me all the way to the back of the room here? I I just need a hand. I need a hallelujah. I need a head. I need somebody to nod because I've left my notes and I'm preaching right from the heart today. Right from the heart. He wants to touch us where we're living. Where we lived last week, where we're living, and he wants to help us go in the path of hope, love, and walk away from sin. Amen? To repent. To say, I'm sorry. To say, God, help me. You see, when I told you about the story of me trying to clean up my mess, it was really as simple as me asking him and crying out to him for his help. Why don't we want to ask him for his help? When we're in the middle of a mess, you've got to ask him. Just ask him. He's not there to beat you with another dirty mop. Come on. He's there with the blood. He's there with the blood of Jesus. He's there to cover you. He's there to protect you. He's there to heal you from the brokenness. If, if somebody did something and your heart is broken, he's there to heal you from it. Not let you li- linger longer in the heartache, in the heartache of woundedness. Come on. He's there to redeem you. He's there to set you free. Come on. Come on. We can't ignore it. We can't ignore it. Because the wages of sin brought somebody who's dealing with an addiction of heroin. It brought them to pay the price this week. They died. That's dramatic. That's something everybody can see and read about in the obituary. But how about the dead men and women walking? Come on. You're walking in sin. You've OD'd on it. You've hidden it well. And you're really dead. You're really dead. But nobody knows. Because you know when you die and you go to the morgue and they put the makeup on, makeup looks great on a corpse. And they usually put that nice little slight, it's not a big grin, but just a subtle one. Hmm. Like all's well. That's the, weird, that's, that's the look that dead men walk, walking have. Come on. Are you hearing me? 
Lord, you preach good. <laughs> That's all I got to say. Because this was like a bunch of I don't know what. We're going to go to the story now. We're going to talk about a man named Peter. Peter was one of the disciples. Peter had been there at the cross. He was right there. He was with him at the supper. He loved Jesus. He was with John. John is the disciple. They they call John the one that uh, <laughs> laid his head on the breast of Jesus. He was close to him. He wanted to hang out all the time. And so John is writing this story in John chapter 20 and chapter 21. Just before Jesus went to the cross, you know, Peter promised, he swore, he made a covenant with God, he made a promise, a binding promise that he would not forsake him. He would not leave him. He would go right up there. He would do anything for Jesus because he loved him so much. As he was boasting about his love, as he was boasting about his commitment, Jesus himself said, before the cock crows, he's talking about a rooster that goes cock-a-doodle-doo. He said, before the cock crows three times, you will have denied me three times. You will have denied me. And Peter's like, this isn't going to happen. No way. But now we find ourselves in the chapter of John 20 and 21. What? We all know the story, and we know that Peter denied Jesus. People fingered him in a crowd. The others had run. They had run when Jesus was crucified. They'd taken taken his body off the cross. They'd taken it to Joseph's tomb. Things were happening. The women were crying. Everybody was wailing. They were in chaos. They were in chaos. They couldn't understand what was going on. I don't know why they couldn't understand it, but it's just like us. We are human. Even though we've been told things over and over and we've been given a list of the to-dos and it might be written out and it might have been restated three times, we have to ask the question, what's going on here? What are we doing? That's how they found themselves. You see, they hadn't really been listening. They thought they were listening. But when trauma and tragedy and crisis come, something shatters the heart, it shatters the mind, and we can't think clearly, and they truly didn't know what the heck was going on. All they knew was the rough, raw threat against their physical bodies and that they might die any minute if people realized they were friends of Jesus. Come on. Peter run. we got to go to Israel, we got to see where they say traditionally this chickens, the flock of chickens and the rooster crowed. We got to walk on the ground of that. don't know if it really was the place, but it was poignant nonetheless. Because can you imagine if you promised me if every one of you promised me that you would be with me to the end, you'd made a commitment, you made a covenant, you made a promise. You knew I was going to go through some rough times. You said, I will be there. I will be there to the end. Isn't anybody going to take advantage of you? I'm going to cover your back. I got your back covered, bro. Dude, come on. 
And all of the rest of you heard it. Everybody heard what you said. And then just hours later, you run faster than the others. You're in a group, in a crowd, and they go, oh, oh, wait a minute. Aren't you one of the people, aren't you one of her friends? <laughs> aren't you one of the people that hangs out with her? I've, I've seen you. I, I, I think I saw you at the food outreach. I, I think I, I saw you over at the, at the child care center with her. I, 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 no. I don't even know who you're talking about, you say. You're, you're wrong. You're mistaken. There's no way I would be hanging out with her. And everybody is hearing you. And not only do you say it once, you say it three times and you take off. Now, where are you going to run? Are you going to want to hang out with the rest of the friends that are in this room that have heard what you're going to do? You're going to be in shame. They all know about you. They all know what you've been up to. Come on. Are you going to want that? No. Where are you going to run? You want to run? You've got a mess now. You are in a big mess. And it's nasty. And they all know. They all know about what you said you were going to do and what you didn't do. It's called sin. You broke a promise. Come on. You broke your word. You broke your vow of commitment. You sinned. It's as simple as that. But now we've got to try to clean up our sin, right? What are we going to blame it on? We can blame it on fear itself. Death is something we all struggle not to fear. Some of us, even as Christians, fear it, and we shouldn't. Because there is life after this life. There is life eternal, whether you're good or bad. Come on. Life does not end here. I want to live the rest of my life forever in peace and the prosperity of knowing my Lord Jesus. But now Peter's in a mess. And we come into the story. We come into the story in chapter 20. And John is telling us about some of the things that happened. So some of them found that they were gathered in this room. They'd gone in. They'd locked the doors because they were afraid of anybody knowing they were in there. They were crying. They were shocked. They were in trauma. They were trying to figure it out. What the heck is happening? Where's Peter? We don't know if Peter was in the room. John doesn't tell us. John tells us in a couple of counts that Thomas wasn't there. So we don't really know. He, he just identifies that some of the disciples were, were there. But if we look at this story in its entirety, where would Peter be? If I was Peter, I would be in shame. I would be feeling a lot of guilt. I would want to withdraw. I would want to find the biggest cave or rock and crawl under it. I wouldn't want to see anybody's judging faces. Come on. We think that everybody's going to judge us for our sin. I know what you did. I wasn't there, but so-and-so told me about it. 
Come on. I don't think I would have been able to be in the room. But word was getting out. And Mary Magdalene came up there and she told Peter and the rest of them, hey, I saw the Lord. I talked to him this morning. He's risen. And John and Peter, earlier in the day, at some point ran, at some point ran to the grave. But it tells us that John went first and that Peter lagged behind. Maybe he just didn't, maybe he wanted to believe that he was alive. Maybe he just heard the word, but he wasn't like step in step with John because I believe he had the shame and his guilt still hanging around. Come on. From what had just happened only three days ago. Sin. Falling short. Just kind of going up to the line. Let's read uh, Jesus, uh, John 20, verse 19. So this is the first day of the resurrection. Verse 19. It was after he'd seen Mary Magdalene at the grave. And when therefore it was evening on that day, the first day of the week meaning Sunday, and when the doors were shut where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood in their midst and said to them, Peace be with you. Okay, he didn't come through the door. He walked through the wall. He walked through the brick. He walked through the stone into the room, miraculous, and he stood there Well, whatever was going on, the mess, there was a mess in that room. Come on. Peter wasn't the only one that sinned. Peter wasn't the only one that didn't have enough faith. Peter wasn't the only one that had broken their commitments. They were hiding. There was a mess in that room. And Jesus walks through the wall and he just goes, Peace be with you. Whoosh. The opposite of fear. Jesus says the word of God tells us that perfect love casts out all fear. And that was what just walked in the room. Perfect love. Jesus personified. Perfect love was casting out fear. Fear. And when he had said this, he showed them both his hands. Come on. He showed him his hands. And he showed him his side where he'd been pierced. And the disciples, therefore, rejoiced when they saw the Lord. And Jesus, therefore, said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I send you. And when he said this, he breathed on them. I haven't had a search recently, but he breathed on them. He breathed on them the breath of God, the breath of life. And he said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. 
if you forgive the sins of any, their sins are forgiven. But if you retain the sins of any, they have been retained. He was telling them the power, the power and the authority that he was giving them as he sent them out. That's good news. Unless somebody is sinning and refusing to forgive you. Come on. Somebody's sinning and forgiving and not forgiving you and refusing to say, sorry, or I forgive you. The peace of God. He said, if you forgive the sins of any, they're forgiven. Now, that doesn't mean that they won't go out and commit them the next day. Come on. But this is the power of forgiveness. This is the power of perfect love. This is the power that casts out all fear. The fear was, what is Jesus going to think of us with what we've done? And we walked with him for three years, and we've been his closest friends and allies. What is he going to think of us? Their shame and their guilt, and but Jesus comes in and says, peace be with you. Don't be afraid of me. You don't have to fear anymore. I went to the cross. I paid the price of your sin. Just, just turn around. Let, let, let's take this moment. I know you're sorry. I know you have guilt. I know you have shame. But I'm here to clean up the mess. And I'm here to tell you that as I've forgiven your sins, you can take the same power of forgiveness and forgive someone else's sin. Amen? I just want to say, today, as a leader in the body of Christ, just as your friend, just as your sister, I am taking access to what Jesus said. And I just want to say, I forgive your sins. He's given me power to say it. And I forgive you. I don't look at you through the lens of these glasses. And I don't have sin written in this lens. Do you hear me? Do you see me take these off? I'm looking at you through the lens of the eyes of Jesus. I'm looking at you through the lens of love, unconditional love. And I'm telling you that I forgive your sin, but I'm also going to tell you what Jesus said to the woman that was caught in adultery. He said, woman, your sins have been forgiven. Go and sin no more. Saints, you're forgiven. But Jesus is saying, go and sin no more. Let him come in and let him wash up the mess now. Come on, let him in. Let him in and wash up the heart. I can't clean up your mess, but Jesus can. I can't heal your wounds, 
I can't heal what you came from, but Jesus can. I want to extend my hands as an extension of his. I can hold you in your arms, my arms. I, I can't convince you of it, but I'm just here to tell you the truth today. You are forgiven. I look at you as a new creation in Jesus Christ. I look at you fresh today. Your sins are forgiven. Now, this story goes on in chapter 21. Tell me where you're going, Lord. (laughs) Chapter 21. Uh, Let's look at chapter 21. Oh, yeah. Well, we don't know if Peter was in the room when all that went on, but he must have heard about it. And anyway, just a little bit down in the story in verses chapter uh, John 21, Verse 3, you see, sometimes if we haven't heard the good news that our sins have been forgiven, and if we commit sins again, what are we supposed to do? Cry out to Jesus and say, I need help, and I'm sorry. I've made another mess. But I'm not going to try to clean it up my way. I'm not going to try and hide from it. I'm not going to be a walk, a dead man or woman walking with makeup on this corpse and some slight peaceful smile on my face. Uh, no, I'm going to run to Jesus with my torture of the moment of my heart, and I'm going to ask him to forgive me and help me with this mess. Amen? And what's he going to do? He forgives me. He tells me what to do. He tells me how to reconcile with him and others. He leads me on. He, 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 he takes me right through that valley of the shadow of death. And he leads me immediately to still waters. Come on. Where there's nobody but me and him. There's no goats in that water making it muddy. He brings me to still waters and says, take a drink. Take a drink from this fountain. Take a drink from this river of peace and life. We don't know what had happened to Peter, but somewhere along the line, we usually, if we're not crying out for help, we go back to what we know, don't we? If we haven't done that and we haven't turned around and asked God to help us, we go back to what we know. And so in chapter 21, verse 3, Simon Peter had at least seen a few of his buddies, and he said, "Um, I am going fishing. And they said to him, we will also come with you. And they went out, and they got into the boat, and that night they caught nothing. It's usually when we're running from God, we're not catching nothing. We're not going to find or catch something that's going to make us feel a little bit better. You guys, you, guys know, you guys are tracking with me. You guys know what I'm talking about. Come on, we go out looking for something to appease ourselves and kind of make us feel better and kind of just like put some salve on these raw wounds. We walk away from this mess and we just try to go somewhere else for a little getaway, a little peace, 
a little quiet, go out to the sea, catch some fish, come on. They were out all night, they didn't catch a thing. But when the day was now breaking, Jesus stood on the beach. Yet the disciples did not know it was Jesus. See, they were about 100 yards out, the boat. They were coming back in. 100 yards is 300 feet. They couldn't quite see who the face was. They couldn't tell that it was Jesus. And Jesus therefore said to them, Children, do you have any fish? Do you? Uh, They said, No. And he said to them, Then cast the net on the other side of the boat. Put it on the right-hand side of the boat, and you'll find a catch. They cast, therefore, and then they were not able to haul it in because of the great number of fish. That disciple, therefore, whom Jesus loved, who was John, telling us this story, said to Peter, he now recognizes him because of the miracle. That's the Lord on the shore. And here Peter is in the boat with whoever went with him fishing that day. And he got, he, he felt the impact. Here's this miracle after all night with nothing. He's still got as big a mess as he always had. Nothing's going right. But Jesus comes and Jesus is on the shore and Jesus is there with intentional pursuit and he's pursuing them and he's tracking them down and he's pursuing Peter because he knows how awful he feels and how broken he is and he comes and performs this miracle and somehow that miracle comes into Peter's heart and he's standing there with his shirt off and everything else that they do while they're fishing and he sees Jesus a hundred yards away, and he puts on his outer garments, and he puts his clothes on and jumps in the water, and he starts swimming for shore, and he's swimming and swimming and swimming, and he's trying to get to Jesus because he knows love's intentional pursuit for him came to that shore. He felt the forgiveness of Jesus. He felt the love that cast out his fear, and it caused him to run and swim and get there first. That's what he does with you. He will intentionally pursue you. I try to take it easy. I might know that you're under guilt and shame for stuff that you've been up to. I try to give you the space for Jesus to come and intentionally pursue you. But trust me, if you really get out there far away, and you're not crying out for the help of Jesus, and you're blaming me or anybody else, I'm going to come and hunt you down. I'm going to intentionally pursue you until you give it up and wrap yourself up in the arms of love, which is Jesus. Come on. This is what this cross was all about. This is what the cross was all about to forgive you, to set you free from your bondage, to clean up your mess so you could go out, peace be with you, 
and you could go out and tell them the good news. Can you imagine how Peter felt? Well, they got up there. Peter got there first. The other guys were on the boat. The nets were about ready to break. They were trying to put some fish here and there, and they, and they came up in small little boats. They, they, they got up to the shore, and, and Jesus is like, hey, dudes. Hey, guys. Hey. We don't have to make it religious. Today's were, hey, bro. Hey. I'm here. You got any fish? Hey, bring some of that fish with you that you just caught. Let's have lunch. Here he was. The nail print still in his hands, the scar on his side, but he had a new resurrection body he wanted to show him. Uh, I, I'm not some spooky ghost. I'm not a mirage. I'm not wishful thinking. I got a brand new body. I've been transfigured. And guess what? There's food to eat. And I'm going to enjoy it with you. For you food lovers out there, hey, uh, some people are always worried about being married in heaven and if there's going to be any sex in heaven. How hilarious is that? But I'm here to tell you there's going to be food in heaven. Come on. We're all adults in this room. You can't imagine the people that have asked me those questions. But I'm here to tell you there's food there. I'm sure there's going to be Mexican food and every kind of other food that we all love. And right on the shores, they're having a fish fry. Come on. They're having a fish fry. So they eat, and they break bread, and they start over again. It's the first meal that they've had that is recorded anyway that we know about since the last first supper. And this time, it's not communion. It's not just bread and wine. It's regular old food. It's a time they shared. Let's get down to it. Let's talk. I'm sure there was more conversation. John tells us there was a lot going on, and it's not written in the book. So we can just imagine what life was. But one thing that he does write is when they were finished with breakfast, they had fish for breakfast, in verse 15 of verse 21, Jesus said, to Simon Peter. That's what he was called, Simon Peter. He says, Son of John, do you love me more than these? He was talking about the other disciples. Do you love me more than them? I wonder what the disciples were thinking. They all knew what he'd just done, denied him, run away, promised. Do you, do you love me more than these? And and, but we're hearing in, in Peter's response, he goes, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And Jesus said, tend my lambs. In other words, be about my work. You're out of the mess. I've cleaned you up today. We've had a covenant meal of fellowship. I've loved you. I've forgiven you. There's no need for fear. We're peaceful right now. This is what I want you to be. Don't, don't go back to that feeling guilt or shame. Don't, don't worry about what these, these guys are thinking about this question that I'm asking you in front of them. Uh, nothing matters. You and I know that you love me. Then tend my lambs. Take care of my flock. 
take care of my walk. And then, and then, and then he said to him again, Jesus said to Peter again, he goes, do you love me? And Peter's saying, I thought we just settled this. And, and he goes, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And Jesus said, well, shepherd my lambs. Why was Jesus asking these questions and then telling him what to do? Because he wanted to make sure my idea is that the other disciples probably figured he disqualified himself. He was worse than anything they shook up. You see, we like to qualify sin as some sins are worse than others, don't we? Come on. And we want to make sure that we're not doing the worst sin, right? When we're in a mess, we like to say, well, I know it's kind of messy here, but it might not be as bad as this one. Check that one out. Don't we? Come on. And Jesus was saying to Simon Peter, he said, Lord, you know that I love you. And he says, well, then shepherd my sheep. He was giving him a commission in this conversation, in the hearing of the others that were there, and letting everybody know that his love was not partial, that his forgiveness was not partial. He wanted us to know that sin is sin and that he died for all of it, whether it was falling short or I got a problem, I got an addiction. Let's call it all what it is. It's an easier word to say, sin. And I died for all of it. And I died for Peter's sin. I died for it all. I died for it. And he's still got a place with me by my side. He's going to tend my lambs and he's going to shepherd my sheep. And then that wasn't enough. And Jesus said to him the third time, he said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? By this time it says Peter was grieved. He wasn't getting everything that was happening right there. He says, That he had, and, and he said to him, you know, Lord, you know all things, and you know that I love you. And Jesus said again, and tend my sheep. It doesn't sound to me like Peter needed to be asked three times because he knew he loved God. He had been experiencing the forgiveness of God. He'd been experiencing the washing of his sin. Why was Jesus asking this? Because maybe it took three times for Jesus to ask Peter what was going on in his heart for the rest of them to let it go in their own hearts and go back to that first scripture I told you about, peace be with you, and now I send you out. Because until we can lay hold of forgiving sins like Jesus forgave, we're hanging on to some sin ourselves. We're holding forgiveness away from somebody who sinned. Are you getting those two scriptures we talked about today? I don't want just sin for me. Oh, I've got, I've got somebody waving a hanky in the back. Come on. Come on. 
not withhold it. It took three times. They hadn't even seen their own sin, and Jesus clenched it right there. I'm going to close now. Let me look at my notes and see if I had any good ideas about how we were going to close. Because <laughs> they haven't looked at any of these. Well, sometimes we get in our... Yeah, this was a good one. Uh, sometimes we get into our messes and we think it's game over, right? Game over. Um, I was at the arcades recently with some of my grandsons, and when the end of the game is, you know, there's a big saying. It flashes on the screen, game over, game over. But I want to tell you, the game's not over. Jesus, the cross, people, he came, and your life can be changed today. Don't wait till later. Don't wait till tomorrow. Just receive it. Receive his forgiveness. Receive his love. You are now free. Go and sin no more. You are free as free can be. You're free from guilt. You're free from shame. Come on. You're free from the power. Sin is a power over you. He broke the chains of that bondage. Amen? Peter's life changed that day, and I'm here to tell you that today, if you don't know of what I'm talking about, it's your day. I've got news for you. It's not over. You've got a new day. You've got a new day. The resurrection changed everything. This is your day. This is love. And it conquered the sin. And you are in my life. Amen? Let's pray. Anybody excited about that? Let's give the Lord a hand right now. Let's, let's tell him how much we appreciate him and we love him and we thank him for it. I thank you, God. I thank you for your word. I thank you for your strength. Lord God, Father, I pray that we accept the sacrifice that you paid. I pray that we just don't talk about it and think about it in vain, but that we literally receive this today. Cleanse us, wash us, heal us. Let us partake of every change, and let us now tend your lambs and shepherd your sheep with intentional purpose, Lord, as we pursue you as you've pursued us in love. Father, we thank you. There's just not words that can describe what I'm feeling in my heart today. You bring me to tears. And we just confess our love for you. And Lord, may we never deny you again. We pray in Jesus' name. Peace be with you. Amen. Hallelujah. Now remember, there's lots of food. Kevin asked me to remind you to take as much food as you need. Amen. We bless you and we love you. Have an awesome Easter time with all of your family. In Jesus' name, amen.